Okay. The two Richter boys. So, okay, we, we on Daf Yud Tet, Amud uh, Aleph. We're going to try to get well into the next Amud if possible. It says, uh, we remember we said that there were, we're talking about the severity of being, um, uh, of, it all started from a discussion regarding when Marshmul, where we had a discussion whether when you talk about somebody once they've passed away, do they care about it, do they know about it? And it happened that um, when somebody spoke about Marshmul, uh, he eventually the person got killed in like quite a horrific way. And that was at the beginning of the Amud. And it said, and it kind of got into the discussion of speaking disparagingly about the sages and how Hashem protects their honor. And uh, then, then there was this uh, discussion of, uh, of uh, at different places in the Mishnayot, and there were 24 places where somebody who was uh, disparaging or, or uh, arrogant to Tamidei uh, Chachamim or to Hashem, and they viewed as the same thing, gets nidoi, gets excommunication. And we saw three cases of that. One was when somebody wasn't careful with Natila uh, Chedaim. Another case um, um, was uh, with uh, with this uh, this um, in the diff- different cases. The one case was this uh, um, uh, where the, there was Mazalzam Natila Chedaim speaks a disparaging once somebody has passed away. Um, we brought different stories about Choni Amargal. We brought this case of the oven that this oven, uh, this argument of this oven, which is actually a famous machloket and famous uh, consequence, which if we had time, we would have discussed quite a bit. Um, uh, the Tanush al Achnai, the oven of the snake. Um, um, and basically, the mm-hmm. question the Gemara is going to ask is we, uh, it seems to be that you said there were 23. Um, but really, tw- sorry, 24 cases, um, and we've only got three. So the Gemara says, Where do you find 24 such cases? We've only managed to find three. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Madama, Milta, Lemilta. So how did Rabbi Yeshua get 24? He took the three cases and he, exp- he like extrapolated that whenever there would be uh, any place where a, uh, a, a person would go against the Tamechacham or the, the, the minority view rabbi would go brazenly against the majority view and not hold back. Um, so he took all of those examples, even though it wasn't clear from those examples that the person got excommunicated from it. But he kind of compared them. Whereas Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Lazar only got three because he didn't take he didn't compare the cases. He found the exact cases where exactly that had happened, and there was clearly in the Mishnah uh, an excommunication as a result. And that's how the one person gets twenty-four and the other one only got three. Okay, now we're going back into our topic, and that is uh, once you are involved in honoring or being involved in uh, taking care of uh, people that have passed away or the mourners that are mourning for those people, you're exempt from 
uh, certain mitzvot, like the Shema, the Amida, etc. So we said like this, Noisei Amita v'chilufayim the, the ones that are uh, um, carrying the buyer, they the pallbearers and the ones that swap them. Tan Rabbonin, the Rabbis taught us, You mustn't start the, 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 the carrying of the, of the body um, close to the time that you need to say Kriyachma. Because if you do, then those people that haven't said it yet will end up missing it because they oisek the mitzvah, they involved in a mitzvah. Samoch lekriyachma. Vimitchilu ein mafsikin. But if they do start, if they, if once they've started the funeral procession, then you don't stop it, even though it's going to land up that people are going to miss shema. Ini, is that so? Where Rav Yosef passed away and they did take him out close to the time of Kriyachma. So the Gemara says, Adam Chashuv Shani, no, somebody as important and noble um, as Rav Yosef, there you don't delay his funeral at all, and even though it was close to Kriyachma, for such an important person, you take his body out to be buried as soon as possible. Okay. We said there was a difference between those that have already carried the buyer, the, 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 the coffin, and those that are still waiting to carry it. So it says like this, A person that is involved in the eulogy. So they're busy listening to the eulogy. One, in the time that the body of the person that has passed away is sitting in front of them and they're listening to the eulogy, Nishmatim Echad Echad Vakorin. So they're sitting in a group. So one by one, they kind of tag team out Vakorin. And then they reach Shema. Obviously, we're dealing with a case where the time for Shema is running out. Sorry, guys, there's a lot of noise here. Um, uh, um, uh, so it says. That nishmatim echad echad v'korin. You go one by one. They go out and uh, and they go and read the Shema. As long as there's a crowd left there, But if the body is not actually in front of them, um, or so either they not there, the, the, they not even if there's a eulogy, but the body isn't there, or um, uh, they, they there's no eulogy. Then what happens is, then they sit and they actually read the Shema together. And the mourner sits and is silent. Because remember, the mourner, even, even though he's not involved in the burial at this moment, he is exempt from saying Shema. And they also stand up and they daven together. And the mourner would stand and justify to himself the judgment, the, you know, the tragedy of having lost somebody. He does a cheshbon nefesh basically. Uh, you know, the, 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 where a person passes away, you do tzidukadin, you do like a, um, a ceremony where you justify Hashem's judgment. And he says these words, Master of the world, I've done, I've sinned a lot before you. And you have not, um, um, I don't know, Poraya is like to take back a, a chov, to take back a, you've not, um, uh, how do they translate it? Um, you have not, uh, 
And what does he say? Sorry, you have not paraya, another Hebrew. You've not uh, claimed my punishment that's on me, even a thousandth of what I deserve. That you you uh, you open up, so you block up any breaches, um, and the ma'al breaches and the breaches any of the breaches of the Jewish people. So basically, he's saying that I know you I've done so much wrong, but you know, let it be, um, in compassion. So now this this basically sounds like what's happening is. Is uh, the person sitting there and he's, he's, he knows that Hashem is, is actually compassionate on him because he's worthy of unfortunately so many uh, so much more punishment. So Abaya completely argues with it, saying this. Amr Abaya, Lomi boy hachi. A person should not say this. The Amrabi the the Amrabi ben Amrabi Shimon ben Levi because Rabbi Shimon ben Levi um, said um, that was Rish Lakish. And so to Rabbi, uh, in the name of Rabbi Yosef, it was taught, A person mustn't open up his mouth to the Satan by saying things that might encourage the Satan to punish him, to ask Hashem to punish him. The Satan is the, you know, is the one who is uh, the protagonist, who's, who's a, an accuser. So if you tell the Satan, if you spread it of the bad you've done, then the Satan will, will grab onto it. Vamar of Yosef, my cry, what's the Pasuk that proves this? Shinemar Kimat Kisdoi Mayinu. They say to the Navi, the Jews say to the Navi, that we were almost like Sodom. We were almost deservant of being completely annihilated, like Sodom. Maya Hadalohu Navi. What did the Navi respond? Shimu devar Hashem Sodom. Listen to the words of Hashem, you, you officers of Sodom. So you see from here that as soon as they said that we were like Sodom, Hashem called them Sodom because it opened up the mouth, it, it, it kind of opened them up to be looked at in a very severe way. So that's the uh, second idea. So we, the first idea we shared today um, on this was... Uh, um, not starting Shema, um, uh, not not taking out the mate close to Shema um, unless it's an Adam Chashuv. Um, and uh, the next one was if you're in a room where the Hespit's taking place, you've got to tag team and read Shema on your own outside. Um, and in that discussion, we saw that how you matzikaladin, how the mourner justifies God's judgment, whereas Abaya said, no, no, you must be very careful to not. Uh, highlight any bad you've done um, and how Hashem should, should you know you've got you've gotten away with it um, uh, with less severity. Now next t- topic: Kavru etamait v'chazaru. Now once you've buried the body and now you're going back, remember to comfort the mourners who are in a shura, who are in a line. Um, Im yecholim lahatchil v'ligmo et kula. It says that in the inter interim. Once you've finished the burial and you're going to walk now to the Shura, if you're able to finish the whole thing, um, then, uh, and the suggestion here is the whole of the Shema, in, um, uh, you, then, then, uh, then you must finish it um, if, if you can in that time. 
Aval Perik Echad or Pasuk Echad Law. But if you're only able to say one paragraph of the Shema or one verse of the Shema, the first verse, then rather don't say it and hopefully you'll have time once you've finished comforting the mourners. Urminu, we bring a contradiction to this. Kavru etamait, they buried the dead, v'chazaru, and then they go back to the shura. Even if you're able to finish you, you, uh, one, uh, one chapter or one verse, the first verse, you should. So, so what do we see here? Um, uh, as a bit of a contradiction. So the Gemara, so basically the contradiction was, it seems that one source says that if you can only start the Shema or say one paragraph, rather don't. And the other source says, um, if you can start one, if you can finish one pasuk, one paragraph, the first pasuk, which is the major pa- pa- uh, verse of the Shema, um, then do it while you can. Chap the mitzvah. So it's a contradiction. So the Gemara says, no, the, it's not a contradiction. When they say over here, im yacholim et kula, what they mean is kula, the whole pasuk or the whole paragraph. Um, that's what they mean. Um, if you are able to finish the whole thing, then start it and finish it. But if you're not, um, uh, and you can only like you can only you can't really start the first uh, line, then rather don't. So it says that's the that's how it says. So basically, if you are able to chap something of the Shema, you should on the way to the Shura. Now we said continuing in this the Mishnah ha'omdim b'Shura. Once you are standing in the line, comforting the mourners, um, it said there that the inner circle, who are going to be face to face with the mourners, they are exempt from saying the Shema, but the guys at the back, who won't be face to face with the mourners, they are obligated to say the Shema. So we see on this, Tanrabonin, the Rabbis taught us, Shura Haroe Pnima Petura. The line that sees inwards, they are exempt from the Shema, V'sha'ena roe, and those who do not see Panima, the second row behind them, or maybe even the third row, meaning if you are, like say, you're tall, and even though you're not in the first row, but you can actually see the mourners, then you also wouldn't say the Shema. V'sha'ena roe Panima chayevet, but if you're at the back and you can't really see them, then you're obligated to say Shema. Rebuda Omer, Rebuda says, Habay mechamat if you have come to, to comfort the mourners, paturim, then you're exempt. Mechamat atzmam chayavim. But if you just come out of curiosity, just to see what the, you know, what the crowds are about, then you're obligated to say Shema. So it's quite interesting, machloket here, uh, going on. Um, the Tanakama says it's about your visibility to the mourners. And the other one, the other opinion, Rebuda says it's actually about why you're there. And it could be that even if you are there for the right reasons, but you can't see the mourner, you could be obligated. You could be, sorry, you could be exempt from Shema in the, according to him. But according to the Tanakama, the first opinion, if it's about visibility of the mourners, then even if you come for the right reasons, but you three lines back, then you're still obligated in Shema. Okay, so that's a little bit of a, um, a refinement of the, of the case. So Now we're going to get into a long discussion 
on Kavod Habriot, on honoring Hashem's creations, i.e. yourself, humans, and how that is influenced uh, by mitzvot. Meaning, what if you um, are going to do an Avera um, in order to protect somebody's dignity? Um, I'll give you an example, a bit of a crude example, but um, you, you know, tearing toilet paper. Um, it's covered up briot. You don't want to, you, you, what can you do? You don't want to not uh, clean yourself up, but at the same time, you have to tear toilet paper. So, according to what we hold, you, because of covered up briot, you're allowed to tear the toilet paper with a shinoi, with a bit of a change. Um, because, even though you're not normally allowed to do a derabonin, a rabbinic law, which would be with the shinoi, nevertheless, because it's covered up riot, it's honored to somebody's body, you're allowed to. So that's a classic example. Now we're going to get into some examples where we don't seem to be worried about the honor of somebody, and we're going to see a, a discussion about it. It's very fascinating. So, Amarav, Yudamarav, Hamoitzi Kilam Bebigdo. A person goes out into the marketplace and he realizes that he's wearing a garment that has kilaim, that has shatnas, which is a mixture of wool and linen. He has to remove this garment even if he's in the marketplace, even though he's going to be seen by everybody walking around in his underwear, walking around naked, walking around without a shirt on. Nevertheless, because even though his own honor will be lowered, but it's Hashem's honor because he'll be transgressing a, a, a Torah prohibition. So the Gemara says, my timer, what's the reason we so severe when it comes to this person having to remove this garment even though it's covered of riot? So it says, my timer, There's no wisdom and there's no understanding and there's no advice um, in front of Hashem. Um, um, so what that means is when it comes to Hashem, you don't ask questions. You don't make uh, any um, uh, uh, considerations. You have to give honor to Hashem even at your own expense. Anytime there is a desecration of Hashem's name, you don't give honor to the Rav, to the, to the person who's worthy of honor. Do you see that? Meaning, if, uh, if it comes to honoring the rabbis or honoring somebody that holds himself in high esteem, like everybody should, nevertheless, when it comes to desecrating Hashem's name, rather do that, rather don't desecrate Hashem's name and, uh, and, and don't give honor even to a Talmud Chochem. So in contrast almost to our previous Amud where we discussed how you have to be very careful with the honor of a rabbi or the honor of a tamachochem. Here we're saying that when it comes to Hashem's honor, obviously that trumps the honor of the rabbi. So that's the, that's the halacha when it comes to wearing shatnas. Now shatnas is a Torah prohibition um, and the repercussion of it is that you might have to remove it even in a very embarrassing situation. Do you have that? I hope you have that. Um, because uh, that is a... Uh, um, uh, so, so uh, that's the that's this halacha. So it says here. Um, uh, now we're going to bring a few almost contradictions to this. Mate, we got a contradiction. This cover it, mate. You buried the dead. Uh, and you return. Now you're walking back with this. Uh, who's here? Is it just me and you, Jaden? 
Looks yeah, lovely. everyone's coming. Okay. Um, uh, so, <laughs> I, uh, somebody messaged that they have to leave early, but I couldn't see who it was. Um, so it says like this. Um, uh, mate, if a cover it a mate. A person buries uh, the dead person. The Khazaru, uh, um, and you go back and you walk the mourners back home. The bet drachim. And in front of them are two paths. So the mourners are busy walking and you walking with them. Achat one is pure, v'achat and one is impure. Okay, one pathway. Meaning it could be that you, the one passes over a, a grave and the other one doesn't. Now, um, what happens if the mourner chooses the impure way? So it says like this, uh, If the mourner goes into the the pure path, you go with him. But betahira, ba betuma. But if he comes in the impure path, boy me moi betuma. You go with him. Now, why do you do that? Because you're showing honor to the mourner. You're treating him with respect and dignity, and he really needs that, right? You don't want to leave him along the path, even if you're a coin. So the Gemara says, mishum kavoidoi, because of his honor. But why? Am I? Let's say that when it comes to honoring people or keeping mitzvot, you have to keep mitzvot. You can't transgress, and surely this coin is transgressing a by becoming impure. So, uh, and yet we see that he must. He must transgress. So, So, Rabbi Abba says that the case is a beta pras. A beta pras is a, um, a plowed over field where there was a grave. Um, it wasn't done on purpose, but the concern is, is that the plow broke up the bones of the body and scattered them within about, a, I think, about a hundred amot um, from the grave. And it, it's an isudurabonin, the rabbis decreed, for a coin to go into a field, it's called beta pras, the house of a... Of broken up bones I mean even though the, the risks are very l- small because basically you, when it comes to fragments of bones you have to actually touch them or carry them it's not just about walking over them and it's very unlikely that you broke up the bones because the body is buried deeper than just the surface which is what is plowed nevertheless the rabbis were machmir and the answer to this Gomorrah to this contradiction is is that the case where you went with the mourner on over the impure area was when it happened to be a beta pras, which is a rabbinic decree. So when it comes to a rabbinic decree, there you can override uh, the honor, the mitzvah or the avera, and you and you honor people covered abriot. But when it comes to shatnas, for example, which is an isudoraita, there you're not allowed to transgress it, even at the expense of people. To show that this is rabbinic decree, Shmuel says you're allowed to go slowly through this beta pras as a coin and blow the sand away in front of you and check that way that there's no fragments of bone. So if it was an isodoraita, you wouldn't be able to do such a thing. The proof is, is that, that since you can do it, it must be isodorabonin. And that shows that when it comes to isodorabonin, the rabbis were removed the honor that you show them by keeping the rabbinic decree and rather um uh, and rather show honor to people did you ask something Jaden? 
Yeah, because if when we gave the right, we said that if it's Dorita, then then we can't um, override it. But you have the example of the toilet paper. The toilet paper drabana. When you tear it with a shinoi, you make it into drabonin. Okay, fine. Okay. Um, it could be drabonin to tear toilet paper not on the on not on the perforation. It could be an isodorita to tear it on the perforation. It's I think it's a bit of a discussion. Okay. Um uh, so now the Amarav Yura bar bar Ashimishmedarav, another example of how a beta prash is drabonin, beta prash nidash tahor. Um, a beta pras that has been trampled over by people is actually halachically pure because the bone fragments that might have come to the surface have been, so to speak, pulverized by people walking over them. And again, if it was an Isidoraita, you would say it's not pure. You'd have to be machmir, but it's the Isidorabonin, and that's another proof. And that's why you do show honor to the mourners even when it comes to a rabbinic decree. Tashma, come in here another proof. Remember what we're discussing. Do you override Torah prohibitions to honor Hashem? The answer seems to be no, even though it will be at the expense of your own or other cover of Briot. So it says like the Tashma. The Amar Rabbi Elazar Tzadok, Rabbi Elazar Tzadok says, Medalgin, you, you can actually jump over graves. Hainu, you can jump over graves of, of people that have passed away. Koanim can. Likrat Malchai Yisrael. To meet, to go and see um, the, the, you know, the, the carriages of the kings, the Jewish kings. Likrat Yisrael. And not only to go meet Jewish kings. Amru Ela Afilu Likrat Malchai Akum, but even non-Jewish kings, Washim Yiske Yavkin Ben Malchai Israel Malchai Akum. Because if you merit to see the to see both, you'll see the difference between the honor that you must show to Jewish kings compared to the honor you show to non-Jewish kings. So you and yet it seems you're allowed to jump over graves to show honor to people. And why though you it's a it's a right to to be impure. When it comes to showing honor to people, you're not allowed to do it when it comes to doing Averas. So that's another question. So there's Kedarova, no, like Rova, the Amarova, the Devar Torah, Oel Kol Shiyesh Bochalal Tefach, Choytes Bifna Tuma. Vesha'in Bochalal Tefach, Ein Choytes Bifna Tuma. Verova or not, Yesh Bem Haran Chalal Tefach. So the rubber, uh, Rova says like this. That really, you know, when we bury somebody in a in a coffin, in a casket, there is a space of a halal tefach, of a cubic tefach, like a fistful, um, between the body and the top of the coffin. And really, if there is that space, the impurity goes up and gets trapped within that coffin, um, uh, and it doesn't go above that. And the it seems that because of that halacha. If a, if a coin had to walk over a coffin, it wouldn't go. It would it would stop, and he and he and by walking over it, it wouldn't make him impure. And it seems that most uh, coffins have within them a halal tefach. So um, so and that's what Rova holds, and that's why again the gazru al shiyesh be mishum shayin bahem. 
Um, so, and the decree that a coin can't go over an aron is because even though if it's got a halal tefach, we machmir in case it doesn't have a halal tefach. But that's a, or it's, we machmir on the where it doesn't have a halal tefach, so where it does have a halal tefach, because of the problem of if it doesn't have a halal tefach. So, but that's a rabbinic decree. And the rabbis in their decree, they, said, they, they took away their decree in order to honor the rabbis. So again, we come out with an answer that what seems to be an Isidorite is actually an Isidorabonin. And if an Isidorabonin comes, the rabbis waive their honor in order for you to show honor to people. Another case, Tashma. Godo kavra briot, shidoche et lo It seems very clear here. Great is the honor you give to people because it pushes away a lota seshabatoira. It pushes away a, a, a negative transgression in the Torah. It's clear. It says there clearly you can transgress in Avera, in Isidoraita. Vamaev, and why? Let's say that you can't, as we brought the Pasuk, you can't transgress um, a Torah prohibition when it comes to human, even if it comes to human indignity. So Tirgma Rav Bar Shva Kamaidu Rav Kahana. Rav Shva came and explained this case before Rav Kahana. Beloved Tasur. What is this love? What is this Isodoraita that we're talking about? It's the Isodoraita of Lot Tasur. That you Lot Tasur Yamino Small. You mustn't deviate from the words of the rabbis left or right. Which seems to be that there's a Torah obligation or a negative Torah prohibition to transgress the words of the rabbis, rabbinic enactments. So again, Rav Bar says that if the rabbis interpret a Doraita in a certain way, that's that you meant to, you meant to uh, trust them and uh, you can't transgress that. But it's about the interpretation of the Torah. Achichu alei love, achichu alei. So the people around him laughed at a, a bar shva, a lavdolotasadoraitahi. And they said that, hold on, how can you say that it's a rabbinic law? Uh, you're not allowed, it, if it's written in the Torah that you can't deviate from the rabbis, it means it's a Torah law. It's not just an interpretation by the rabbis of the Torah, it's actually a rabbinic decree that the Torah says from the Torah you have to keep. So, how do you get out of this? So listen to this response. Amar Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana says like this. Gavra Rabba. Amar Milta. A great person said something. Lota Chiku Um, You're not allowed to laugh at him. It's quite fascinating because in the argument about honoring people, um, they laugh at somebody's suggestion, which is a big problem. But what you see from here, he says, no, that's not a Doraita. Um, what, what that means is that every rabbinic decree isn't a Doraita decree, rather it's based on the Torah prohibition of Lotasur, but it doesn't mean itself is a Torah prohibition, which means rabbinic decrees are rabbinic decrees, even though they have a basis um, in the Torah, um, but their level is still rabbinic. This is actually a big discussion whether the Rabbonans are actually the right is because of this passage of Lot Tasur, Umishum Saru Rabbonin. And there and because of the honor of people, the rabbis 
allowed their decrees to be over over to be you know looked over in order for the honor of people even when it comes to Lot Tasur because that isn't a, dor- a direct writer but rather it is a um, uh, so to speak a, a um, the Dorabonin the rabbis had that as their as their support that they can they are allowed to make decrees so again we say that when it says um, that actually does not mean a, a, a specific Doraita, it means the specific Doraita of Lotasur, which actually is a Drabonin. So let's bring one more proof. Tashma, Vitalamta Mehem. When it comes to returning lost articles, I hope you don't mind me going a bit longer because we just need to cover a bit more ground since we've only had two Shurim this week. And next week, Yimrin Sashim, I think we'll only have two Shurim. And I think the week after as well. So it says, Tashma, Vitalamta, Mehem. Um, you must, you must, you, you, when regarding Ashavada Veda, the Torah says in Pashukitaitzai, you mustn't hide from the people's lost objects, and you must surely find them and uh, keep them and return them. But some, the language is vital, Vitalamta, that you should hide. Um, uh, so it could be understood that sometimes you hide and you act as if you don't see it and sometimes you don't hide and you actually do it. So it seems from the way they learn the Pasuk that sometimes a person mustn't, re- mustn't go to the trouble of uh, returning lost articles and there are uh, three cases of that. Sometimes you do hard from it, sometimes you don't. How does this work? If you're a coin and uh, the lost article is in the cemetery, you, a coin is not allowed to go in and find and, and pick it up. I don't know why exactly you would have thought he should, um, but nevertheless, that's what it says. Or he's an elderly sage. And it's not in his honor to go carry around something that was lost. Like say, the, Gemara, the Torah's example is like your ox. So it's not the honor of a person, of an elderly sage, to go and carry around a, an, an ox um, into the, you know, through the town. Or or if you, if you actually find the object or the thing and you keep it, and you you protect it to return it. It's actually going to cost you a lot more, um, and you won't actually have anything to return to the guy who lost it because he's have, going to have to compensate you for all the expenses and the lost work that you had to get, go through to in order to uh, do the sashavat avada. And in that case, you're not allowed to. So um um so it's, you don't have to rather you don't have to uh, you actually can hide yourself. So what does it say here? Um, that's why it says you can hide yourself. Am I? Why? Why should you hide yourself? One of the examples was when it comes to an elderly sage, you, he's allowed to, he's, a, he's allowed to, and in certain ways must not go, it's beneath, it's beneath his honor to go and uh, uh, return the lost article. So yet, and why? You shouldn't say anything's below his dignity because he's keeping Hashem's word. So it says, shiny hatam vitalam No, true. Normally, you have to lose your dignity and uphold Hashem's dignity. But here, the Torah itself told you to hide. The Torah itself said, in this specific case, 
you must be talam to him. You must hide yourself from it. So don't say this is an exception. Say this is the rule. Learn out from Hashavad Aveda that when it comes to losing a person's dignity, they don't have to, even in the case of a Torah mitzvah. So it says, no, no, that can't be a source. Why? And you don't learn prohibitions from monetary halachot. Um, uh, and that, why? Because we deal with prohibitions more severely than mamon. So Hashavad Aveda is mamon, is financial halacha. And therefore you don't learn that in any isur, any prohibition, since by mamon, by money, you, do, you, are, you are exempt from a mitzvah because it's below your dignity. Nevertheless, um, you don't learn out from other prohibitions to money. Let's try and finish the Amud. Tashma, come in here one more case. Velachoto. It says that by a Nazir, he's not allowed to become impure for anybody. But it also lists that he's not allowed to become impure for his father, his mother, um, or even his sister. And the question is, why does the Torah have to list that? Okay, so we'll have to stop here. We don't have time to actually finish, but it's, we got very close to the end of the Amud, um, and it's a good place to end. Thanks for joining me, and uh, please, God, I wish you all, you who are in front of me and those who are listening uh, on the podcast, Agumar Khatima Tova, and Atzlacha Rabbah in every regard. Cheers.